ever-connected world, a simple decision or action on the other side of the planet can have an outsized effect rippling across the world through industries to impact our lives. For professionals in politics and finance, it's like an economic butterfly effect, the results of which need to be monitored cautiously and continuously to understand the bigger picture. At a global financial organization like City, they have teams working constantly to find out how markets across the world should respond to political rumblings, new legislation, and so much more. How do they do it? Why do they do it? This is Good Things Happen, a podcast that brings together two bright, informed minds to discuss a fascinating topic. And today we're talking geopolitics. Our guests are Candy Wolf, who heads up City's global government affairs team in Washington, D.C., and Manolo Falco, who is the global head of investment banking at City, based here in London. Hello. Welcome to Good Things Happen. I'm your host, Jorian Murray, and it's my job to help businesses tell better stories. Let's start by getting to know today's guests. Candy, let's start with you. Were you always destined for an office in the political nerve centre of Washington, D.C.? Is this what you told your mother at an early age, that you wanted to be a political expert? Uh, No, I didn't tell them I wanted to be a political expert. I said I wanted to be a lawyer. They thought that was a good option because then I could sort of help with the small business that my father had. I did get a law degree in Washington, D.C., fell in love with politics and stopped offering any type of legal advice (laughs) to them in any capacity (laughs) of their small business, to which they remind me every day that they paid for my education. And I've given nothing back to them in the form of legal advice, but I have engaged in politics. And I think ever since probably a couple of years after finishing law school, uh, I worked for a firm in, in DC and then had the opportunity to go to Capitol Hill. And since then, I've never looked back. How about you, Manolo? Were you always destined for a financial job or did you want to be a racing car driver or a top chef? Definitely want to be a racing driver, but I wasn't gifted enough. So my story is is a bit similar, but different. I actually finished university and wanted to work with my father. My father was a winemaker, a well-known winemaker, and uh, I had a passion to helping him build a company. And then I did ask my mother, they had divorced a long time ago, and she put her hands on her head and said, are you completely crazy? Are you going to ruin your life? Before you do that, please go and work for someone and learn something, and then you'll be able to decide for yourself. And that's when I entered as an analyst in the banking industry, and here I am. Candy, your turn. What is it you do? I said that you head up City's global government affairs team, but let's break that down for someone like me. I understand the individual words, but when you bring them together, what do you do? Well, I'm chuckling because I get asked a lot of what you do. And sometimes I can't really explain what I do. Um, <laughs> there's some days you kind of wake up and you're like, what's what's in front of me? So the global government affairs team here at City is 53, 54 people strong. And I sort of say we have three component parts to our job. The first is to identify political trends, policy issues that impact the firm. The second is to create a strategy for advocating on those issues, some of which are opportunities, some of which are playing defense. And the third is the political engagement and the interaction that's necessary to effectuate the strategy. So from beginning to end, you're identifying policy issues that are created by governments regulators that impact, in this case, city, and how do you address those issues? And, and so it's the planning, it's the strategy, and it's the engagement 
to attempt to address those policy issues that can impact what we do and, and how we do it. Your team of 50 plus is there to inform the bank so that the bank can inform clients. Manolo, you head up BCMA, as it's called within uh, the institutional team, what I would call the investment bank. You're very engaged in and very interested, I know, in global politics. How does that impact you in your job and how do you use the work that Candy does and others do? Well, I think um, my job is fundamentally you know, to, to serve our clients you know, and to deliver city to our clients, either in the businesses I run directly like uh, capital markets, corporate bank or the M&A business, or basically cross-sell all of city you know, to our clients. As a result of that, politics, either local politics or global politics are very relevant because all of our clients or the lion's share of our clients are global companies and they are actually involved globally and they actually bank city because we have a global presence in 90 plus countries and do business in 170. So obviously understanding local politics, global politics, regional politics, and some of the trends around the world is fundamental, not only to keep informed and to help our clients understand what's going on, but actually to take actual decisions that can go from expanding a business to hedging it and protecting it, or to taking some strategic decisions around it. Today, the world of politics is changing before our eyes. We're not really going to be discussing what's topical because it changes so quickly. What I'm really interested for our listeners is to understand how City goes about doing what it does and, and why it's so good at doing what it does. So, Candy, how do you embrace this? You say you've got a big team, but you know, give, give us an insight into your day. You wake up every morning with a particular news delivery, and is there one that you can trust that you know, is going to give you objective insight? I think finding objective insight in the political world can be a bit challenging. So there's lots of news sources that you end up relying on to try to come up with what is the objective outcome and expected outcome. But come into the office and we've got a set of issues that we know we're working on. A lot of the issues are trends, right? One of the things that we have to track and we identify are what are those top geopolitical events that are occurring and what are the trends and how do those geopolitical events manifest themselves? What's the policy that's being driven by the government action? Take where we're having this conversation today, Russia, Ukraine. What is the manifestation of those actions? The manifestation is sanctions. Understanding what those sanctions are, how they're being applied, when they were going to be applied, what are the trends? That's something that we're tracking. That's something that we engage them with the businesses and information is provided to clients. We also look at just general trends around anti-globalization. You know, what is the anti-globalization trend that's been occurring in the different regions? How has that manifested itself with respect to trade, protectionism, you know, regulations? What are those risks that are out there? And once we've had them and we kind of see where they're identified, question is, what do you do about them? And how do you respond to that? And some of it's more direct, we can work on a particular regulation or restriction on data flow. Our lifeblood is the ability to move data cross-border. And governments, in response to geopolitics, are holding that data and nationalizing that data and making it harder to have flows. So what can we do about it? 
and we begin to implement policies and we work with trade associations, we work with ourselves and engage and begin to talk to the governments about why those issues are challenges and see if we can find a smoother path, if you will, for city. But at the same time, we're also talking to clients about what those trends are. And then Manolo can take that information and with other advisors, sort of help guide clients on similar trends that we're seeing that impact city. Manolo, I can see you nodding along. I'd love you to build on that from the client perspective. Do they come to you wanting to hear all about this? Is it a two-way conversation? Are we learning from them? Are they learning from us? I've learned a lot of from Candy no, and her team because it opened up this vision we have created after that, that it would be good not only to have Candy and her team plus research. No, we have a great research department. And then we have country head in each of the largest countries in the world where we get a lot of information. But to bring that idea of senior advisors too, that actually have been very good at that. So William Haig has run foreign office for the UK government for many years, or Erasmussen has run NATO, no, and has been obviously prime minister in Denmark. So the idea of having some of this very relevant people to bring an edge and actually tell our clients what they think may be happening and how we politicians look at certain of these issues is very, very relevant because then having Candy and obviously having her views that obviously affect a lot at how City runs its business and then our own bankers, I mean, that combination is powerful, no? And we think that in a way, we have been a bit of a leader in this space and we have had more focus in saying geopolitics are going to be very relevant, partly because City is global and obviously globality is the name of the game that our clients look for us, but partly because, as Scan is saying, I mean, the world is not getting easier. No, I think since the financial crisis, this has not only been a question of the economy, it's a question around society, the future of democracy. And as a result of that, obviously, everything that's going around now in geopolitics and depending on where you are, how is that going to affect you? So all of that is very relevant for clients. And we see them more and more now interested in this and and actually thinking, what am I going to do in the next 10 years? Where should I be in 10 years? Not in the next year or two, actually. This is a long-term decision. Jorian, if I might add in here, there was a survey that Ernst & Young produces with CEOs. And the 2022 survey identified geopolitical tensions, trade conflicts, protectionism, and sanctions as a top risk that businesses are facing with respect to future business growth, and that 55% of CEOs report geopolitical challenges of forcing them to adjust a strategic investment. 55%. So to Manolo's point, politics are actually driving a lot of the business decisions now and forcing CEOs to confront these decisions or for boardrooms to have to address them as they think about the direction of companies. Waking up every day to the news, we've lurched in the last 10, 12 years from financial crisis to health crisis, and we have a political crisis that's on every news broadcast at the moment. Does the world feel more uncertain currently than it has in the last 50 years? Because I also read lots of reports that life is getting better, it's getting more certain, we're managing the world better. Candy, is it's a particularly volatile time to be on this planet? Well, I think there's been a lot of change, right? And we're in the middle of that change, driven in large part by technology and technology impacts politics. Just like all the other challenges that we've seen, business models, workforce, technologies change politics. 
We're yet to see if it's changed it for the better. <laughs> Certainly, I think we can argue that it's made things more challenging. And in the sense that 25 years ago, you didn't think about getting your media and your information from Twitter or looking at social media platforms and knowing that it was instantaneous in terms of whatever information was out there and that there's no fact-checking that's going on. And so whether we're talking about the US or we're talking Europe, anywhere, the information flow has shifted. And now there's all these different sources and people are getting it so quickly that politics is still trying to sort out in the political environment how to manage that information and how to convey it in a way that creates unity. So I think we're still in this transition period. At some point, we will come out of it. It's yet to be determined how we come out, but I do think it has sort of weakened the political infrastructure, if you will. And if you kind of look and you say, who are the leaders today? The U.S. has had its challenges in trying to step up to be a leader. You've got Europe, who's got some key leaders, but Germany has a new chancellor. France is going through an election. Boris Johnson's had his issues. So who's leading the world and who's sort of that example? And I think that's the challenge we're in today in the political environment. And the tension, whether it's with China or Russia, and is it more of an authoritarian leader who's supposed to be the image? Or are you trying to find a democracy in which leader there speaks for that image? So I would say, yes, I think the political environment today is certainly more challenged, but it's reflecting itself differently because of the way technology is used in the political environment. I agree. And I would even say that um, the other thing that as a result of what Candy was saying has happened is uh, the relevance of the corporate world is in the rise because talent is a factor. No? And I think politics have suffered from a reduction in raw talent and the corporate world and definitely the technology world, the, the new growth companies are a magnet of talent. Now, having said that, you just have to look what's going on now to understand how important, how relevant politics are and why this is a cycle and we're in the middle of definitely a change and that will evolve. And that's why it is so relevant to understand what's happening and to really predict. The difference is, in my views, as I said, is short-term versus long-term. Many of the decisions we're talking are things that probably Candy or I will be doing something different because, I mean, by the time that we know exactly what does the new China strategy mean and how is that going to affect Africa or South America or even Europe, uh, I mean, it's going to take time. No, And what it is very clear is that there is a change and that change is evolving. And if there is a crisis, a financial crisis, that will absolutely have a big effect on politics and on economy, and as a result, corporate strategies. No? So what I do think is that today, if you're a CEO, you just have to know and have a view. And the beauty about geopolitics too, and about really many of the trends that Candy was talking about is it's difficult to predict them. And you just got to have a very clear view of what you want to do and how you want to play it. And I think post-COVID, the world geopolitics and the corporate world are probably the closest they've ever been in terms of thinking on how you're going to run your business and how you're going to put your capex or you're going to basically run your value chain and really think about 
the growth and what are the places maybe where you actually want to just say no. The other important thing is ESG, no? So if you think about it, CEOs now have a lot of decisions that are very long term. They may not be in the job by the time you really know where they are, but they've got to take decisions now, no? So it's uh, it's a very, very interesting time. I'd love to pick up on this observation about the explosion in information sources. I think it's fair to say that we all probably started our careers where we paid for information. There was an information department. Now we are overwhelmed with sources of information. Candy, how how have you responded to that in your lifetime, identifying the signal rather than the noise? That's the art, not the science, I think, here. And the benefit of having been in this role or really just engaging in the political environment for as many years as I have, you see the ebbs and flows and you try to pick up and have a way to interpret the information that you're getting. I'll use the U.S. as an example since I'm sitting here in Washington, D.C. There's always going to be a bunch of noise. What I have to stay focused on is what's the noise that matters? What are the voices that are the most relevant (laughs) that are really driving the outcome? Not all the chatter that's on the outside, but if we're worried about piece of legislation is going to pass or what proposal the administration's putting forward really matters who's speaking and which leaders are sort of engaging. So I think having that experience, having the knowledge and engagement of how the process works ultimately can help guide for what noise to pay attention to and, and what to exclude because you can't take it all in and it would just be overwhelming. And in fact, half the day, I just shut the TV off because it's not going to help me (laughs) figure out what's really coming next. Try to challenge and channel that information as much as you can. Manolo, you often talk about global and the globality of City. Does this give City an advantage to your clients? Do they have more respect? Do they value more the information that comes from City because of the perspective that City has? I think so. We have the three tiers of countries, no? the largest where everyone is, the uh, second level where depending on what part of the world are, there will be regional banks that will be. And then this, the ones that really cities in there and no one else. No? And that's very relevant for a business because many of the largest multinational actually give us the business, partly because we are in all of these places where they can't rely on anyone else. I think we have a unique thing, which is the fact that we have many people sitting on the ground everywhere. And many of us have been working for a long time for this firm. So we are very loyal and I think we know how to read things. So yes. The whole phrase geopolitics in some ways isn't helpful because it's finding lots of things together. But hearing you both talking about local views, this isn't one world view of city. This is an aggregate of lots of opinions on the ground in Kiev, in Shanghai, in London, in Singapore. Is that right? Yes and no. I think yes. But then what Candy gets around how the US looks at things, that's global content because everyone is looking at the US as the most powerful country on earth. No? So there are things that are that Candy gives us every day that can be used in Africa and Europe and Asia. But there's no doubt that I think things are going more local. No, I mean, I think the world is going more local. So I do think that we are in the middle of an important change in the world, without a doubt. 
Candy, you mentioned earlier about communication with governments. Is that a two-way thing? Are they interested to hear what City's view is because of your network? Some are, some aren't. It depends on who the government is, whether they want to hear from us. But for the most part, yes. A big part of the engagement that we have, and Manolo noted this with, with Gips and in Greece, it was really clear that it was important to have a dialogue with the key governments, the key regulators, and making sure that we had as much information and that that flow was occurring, you know, in both directions. And so since then, the CCOs, our country officers, have engagement plans that aren't just the regulators, but, you know, the finance minister. Trade is so critical these days. <laughs> you know, anything with tech, there's, there's sort of a broader group of people that it's important to know in a government various ministers that aren't just your traditional finance minister. And so we spend a lot of time helping to build out those global engagement plans, help ensure that there's opportunities to kind of get to know and really build on those relationships because you want to have the relationships before there's a crisis. And when there's a crisis, you want to be able to provide info and we become a trusted partner in the same way that we're a trusted partner with our clients. And, and the public sector group would say, you know, they're a very trusted partner because we're supporting a lot of these governments. But just from a information sharing opportunity and need. You know, we spend a lot of time engaging with our clients, which are the government, and being able to feed in information and build on, on those relationships. Considering, as we've alluded earlier, that barriers seem to be going up and countries seem to be turning in on themselves, are global banks such as yourselves even more influential in providing a worldview? Is the influence of a bank even greater? And is that a good thing? Depends where you go, right? So first thing. Second thing, as Scandi was saying, relationships are important. No? So you've got people in certain countries that know how to do it, or obviously governments change and all that. But I would say that there is no doubt that governments are more interested than ever in understanding what the corporate world is up to and what is the opportunity. And at the same time, I think there's a lot more pressure these days no, on democracy and democratic countries than there is on other regimes. Jorian, I might echo a couple of comments that Manolo made around city as a trusted advisor to government, something we have to work on, as do all corporations. And I think what we've seen with various polls, if you will, the Edelman Trust Barometer talks about how the public sees businesses as more trusted than governments, but not all governments are going to see business as being a trusted entity, right? When you're sort of asking the beginning of the question, which is, are we more relevant? In some cases, yes, but large organizations, financial, tech, are viewed with also some skepticism. And so finding that line and really being able to develop the relationships you have to become more trusted, you know, it's not just going to be bestowed on us because we are global. It's got to be earned and you earn it by showing that you can support governments and the things that are important to them and doing good in the world uh, in, in ways that support their communities, dealing with wealth gap, you know, the issues that are, that are underlying a lot of the challenges that drive the geopolitical tensions need to be viewed as being addressed and that we can be viewed, whether it's a city or any large global corporation, as part of a solution rather than part of a problem. And when you can get to that level, then that trust improves and then there's going to be a greater reliance. But there's generally, in some countries, a healthy skepticism. The U.S. is a prime example. Big is not good. 
you're small, you're local, you're mainstream. We love you. You're, you're big, you're exporting jobs, you're offshoring, you're viewed in a more negative light. It's a constant challenge. <laughs> Somebody tuning in who might be considering a job in a global bank or Wall Street might be surprised because you've used very few financial terms. And what we've been talking about is absolutely fascinating. Manolo, what would you say to someone who, who may have never considered joining a bank because they think it's for mathematicians or economists? Life in a bank is a lot more rounded than just profit and loss, isn't it? I have that conversation with my son that is 21 years old, and he's at USC in California. And He's definitely not that interested in a bank until he went and worked for a, for a startup over the summer. And he understood then that uh, actually the financial side and really running a cash flow and all that is, is not a bad thing. As my mother told me, it's a great advice. I mean, if you want to start in a career, whatever you want to do, I think it's not a bad place to start in a bank and learn no, and I think it basically trains you for life. It gives you certain values, certain technical financial principles. You are sitting around people that are reasonably smart. You definitely also hear from clients that are really very smart. And I think it's a good base for life. And then obviously, then you can go and do different things. You can go and run a company, you can go and do a charity, you can run your own business, or you can go and, and hike mountains, or like me, stay and be a banker for a long time. <laughs> so I am not a banker, and yet I work in a bank. I was never a banker. As I started this conversation, I was a lawyer by trade, but really... I was interested in the intersection of public policy and business. I thrived on the politics and I worked in Washington in the public sector, either at the White House or on Capitol Hill for half my life. And what you can take from that is that coming to a large bank means that all of the issues that I got to engage with and I saw from the public sector viewpoint, you address in a large financial institution like City. The fact that we are as global as we are, the impact that geopolitics has on our business, on our clients, you get to work on all those issues. And every day you wake up and something's a little different. It's what makes it exciting, what makes it challenging. And similar to my experience of being on Capitol Hill or in the administration. And so I think I would say to anyone that was looking, even if you're interested in politics, look at a bank. <laughs> There's always a need to have people who are interested in the political environment, can assess the geopolitics, and a real joy to work with such smart and great people in a global environment, and you can make a difference. And Manolo, you mentioned ESG earlier. Let's build on that, because you can directly influence change in the world and sustainability and supporting clients. Talk to us a little bit about that. We are very focused on that. No? I think Jane on her first day in the job already raised her hand and said that we were going to comply with net zero in 2050. And I think we're one of the first banks also to send our targets for 2030. I just think that the world, uh, again, is there's no way back. It is very, very clear that what's happening is different from what we've seen and that the new generation is very, very worried, and that there is a technological solution. There is capital out there to source creativity and to find other ways. It's going to take time, and we have time. 
but we have to start moving. And it feels good to be in a firm that cares for that and that actually is one of the largest balance sheets in the world. And it's thinking about what we want to do and how we want to do it. And at the same time, we are operating in every part of the world and not every part of the world thinks as I've just said. So we obviously deal with that and we'll find our balances. The key for me and for us is transition. I mean, what is your transition plan? If you have a transition plan, that's that's the key. We'll help you in that transition. We're not going away. We want to help, but we do want the world to transition. And I think that as time goes by, will become more and more important and not only for our clients, no, but for society in general. You talk about transition, which is a great trail for our next podcast, where we're going to be talking about disruption, particularly disruption in the financial industry. Candy, you touched on this earlier, but disruption is here to stay, right? Is this something that you lean into? Is this something that if we look back on it, it's been a good thing? I'm a glass, mostly full (laughs) kind of person. So I view any of the change as ultimately coming out more positive, but it's bumpy to kind of get through that process. And what we try to do in the roles that I have and Manolo has it's help advise either city or a client on how to get through that disruption. And we know that it can be really noisy. And I think for politics, you know, politics is conducted in a certain way with a certain set of processes that people have always kind of applied. And now it's all getting jumbled. And so you're trying to figure out how do I ensure the integrity of the political system, the importance of democracy and continue a lot of sort of the fundamental governance issues while they're getting jumbled. And I think it's a work in progress. It's still going to take time. It's going to, you know, be sometimes a difficult transition. But in the end, I do think we'll be better for it because the people who are doing it are smart. And if the goal is right and the outcome is right, which is to provide a better life, governance, structure, political environment for all people, for every government, then you're going to have a a positive outcome. For those that don't, that's where it's more challenged. And that's where countries weigh in and put their thumb on the scale as to what's the best approach and the best way. Last word from you, Manolo, connected to disruption. You would have experienced a huge amount of it in your time. What are the big ones? And do you come through them thinking, actually, life gets better, more progressive? Or is it tiring? I think it's good. I think it's necessary. I think Every business you are in, I think, is suffering disruption. Banking is definitely one, so that should be a good podcast to to listen to because there's no doubt that there's a lot going on. But I think every industry is going through that. And then you have the convergence you know, around some of the strands we were discussing before. People just want to do things in a different way. They want to get healthier. They don't want to eat meat and they want to eat more vegetables. They want to think a lot more in the balance of life and work uh, eight hours or six hours instead of 14 hours. So I think all of these things are, they've moved the world. The world is just moving quicker. Everything's going faster. So we could probably see a whole life 50 years ago and what's happened in one year, maybe it happened in 50, no, but that's unstoppable. And uh, I think is bringing very good things. And Gandhi was saying, I think it's going to be a lot about the corporate purpose and that companies actually play the role. 
I have my discussions with my son and my daughters, and actually I tell them, one of you has to be a politician. It's good to go and work for your country. It's good to try to save the world of all of these things and actually do something for what is important. So I think times are not easy in politics, no? And as we said, I mean, the loss of talent. I would say that there's an evolution in talent too, and you just can't look at everything or you'll go crazy or everything I say. You just got to do it and have a strategy and the world is going to be full of opportunity. And I think the next five years are going to be amazingly interesting. No, there's going to be a huge transition in many of these areas. So I think a lot is coming and it's it's going to be fascinating. But if you don't feel disrupted, you got a problem. That's a far better answer than my terrible question deserved. So I'm going to ask you one more, Manolo. Is City a culture that is good at dealing with disruption and embracing it? Is it a culture that leans into change? And has it done it well in your experience? I think we're learning. We've been very good at doing certain things that we've done for a long time, and we've been good at them. But I do think that change has to come. We've got to take what is working and what is good and many of the things we've discussed today, but actually the world is changing. And if you're not capable of changing, it's very difficult. You can advise your clients and serve your clients because they have to do it, but they're going to go to those firms and those advisors and banks that actually can help them in that because that's the name. We know how to do it. I think there's a lot of focus on it, but there's a lot of work ahead. Candy Manolo, thank you so much for joining us today. I've really enjoyed the conversation and I think our listeners will do too. Thank you for having us here. It's been a pleasure. Yes, it's been great, Dorian. Good to see you again and very interesting. And it's always good to be with Candy. You always learn something with her. <laughs> thank you. The views expressed herein are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of City Global Markets, Inc. or its affiliates. All opinions are subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. The expressions of opinion are not intended to be a forecast of future events or a guarantee of future results. 